and welcome to Fast Asleep. I hope you're here for a good night's sleep because you're going to get one. But first, let's get you involved in a really exceptional story. Now, as you know from part one, Daphne de Maurier has set this tale on a large estate in Cornwall. She chose this setting after a real-life inspiration during a visit to Antony House. There, she viewed the portrait of a woman named Rachel Carew. And, well, there you have it. A story was born. So here we go with part two. Tuck in, everybody, and enjoy. My Cousin Rachel. I went into the room. Everything was neat and tidy. The candles had been lit, but the curtains were still open. The dogs were in front of the fire. A woman was sitting with her back to the door. Good evening, I said. She turned at once, got up and walked towards me. Now, at last, I was face to face with my cousin Rachel. She was a small woman, dressed completely in black. Her dark hair was very neat. As she looked at me, her large, dark eyes opened wide in surprise. I hope you're rested, I said, awkwardly. Thank you, Philip. Yes, she sat down by the fire and the old dog, Dawn, laid his head on her knee. Dawn is your dog, isn't he? She said. Is it true that he's almost 15? Yes, I said. Ambrose gave him to me on my 10th birthday. Oh, I know, she answered softly. Then my cousin Rachel stood up and moved towards the window. I want to thank you, Philip, for letting me come, she said. It, well, it can't have been easy for you. It had started to rain. She closed the curtains, and we both sat down again. I felt so strange driving up to the house, my cousin Rachel said. Ambrose told me so much about it. I was longing to be here. She hesitated on the last word. I knew she had nearly said home. I hope you will be comfortable here, I said. There are no women servants in the house to look after you. Oh, that doesn't matter. I don't need anyone to look after me. I only have two dresses and some strong shoes for walking. She smiled and I smiled back. And then I suddenly felt angry. Why was I smiling at this woman who had caused my dear Ambrose's death? At that moment, Seacombe came into the room. Tea is served, madam, Seacombe said, putting down the large silver tray. On the tray was a large silver teapot that I had never seen before. And what about breakfast, madam? Seacombe went on. Mr. Philip 
has his at eight o'clock. I would like mine in my room, my cousin Rachel answered. Would that be too much trouble? Oh, certainly not, madam. Come, dogs, downstairs. Good night, madam. Good night, sir. My cousin Rachel poured me some tea. Seacombe had never served tea after dinner before, but I said nothing. If you want to smoke your pipe, you can, Philip, my cousin Rachel said. I stared at her. I did not expect to smoke in a lady's room. I had wanted to say a few hard words and then leave. Now... Here I was, drinking tea and smoking my pipe. But how could I be angry with this small, neat woman? Or hate her? The next thing I heard was a quiet voice saying, You're nearly asleep, Philip. Hadn't you better go to bed? You walked a long way today, didn't you? I opened my eyes and moved my long legs. Was my cousin Rachel laughing at me? Did she know why I had stayed away from the house all afternoon? I got up slowly and looked down at her. Wait a minute, Philip, my cousin Rachel said. I have a present for you. She went into her bedroom and came out with a stick. Ambrose's walking stick. It was the one he had always used. I took it awkwardly. Now go, she said. Please, go quickly. You, you remind me so much of Ambrose. I stood outside the door for a moment, holding the stick in my hands. Had this woman really killed Ambrose? I had seen the look of deep unhappiness on her face already. My ideas about her were changing. The following day was Saturday. I paid the men their wages, as Ambrose had always done. But Tamlin, the head gardener, was not there. I was told that he was in the gardens somewhere with the mistress. I found them putting new plants into the ground. I've been here since half past ten, my cousin Rachel said with a smile. These are some of the plants Ambrose and I found in Italy. I had to put them into the ground quickly. Tamlin has been helping me. And I've learned a lot of things this morning, Mr. Philip, Tamlin said. Mrs. Ashley knows far more about these plants than I do. After lunch, I took my cousin Rachel around the estate. She sat on a quiet horse and I walked beside her. She wore a black dress and a black shawl around her head. She looked very proud and very Italian, not like an English woman at all. To my surprise, my cousin Rachel knew the name of every field and farm on the estate. As I walked by her side, we began to talk about the gardens of my cousin Rachel's villa. When I was married to my first husband, she said, I was not happy, so I spent my time planning the gardens of the Via San Galetti. I would like you to see them, Philip. I looked up in surprise. Didn't my cousin Rachel know that I had already been to Florence and seen the villa? 
I thought my godfather had told her in his letter. I began to speak, but the horse moved on and it was too late. I was very quiet on the way home. After dinner, we sat down together by the library fire. My cousin Rachel was sewing. I smoked my pipe and watched her hands moving quickly. They were small, white hands, and she wore two rings on her fingers. Something is the matter, Philip, she said at last. What is worrying you? Did my godfather tell you I had been away? No. I didn't hear of Ambrose's death from Signor Rinaldi's letter, I said slowly. I found out about it in Florence from your servants. My cousin Rachel gave me a long, strange look. You went to Florence, she said. Well, when and, and for how long? I was in Florence for only one night, the night of the 15th of August, I said. The sewing fell from my cousin Rachel's hands. But, but I left Florence only the day before. Why didn't you tell me this last night? I thought you knew, I answered awkwardly. Oh, I want you to tell me why you went to Italy, Philip, my cousin Rachel said. I put my hand in my pocket and felt the letters there. Well, I, I'd not heard from Ambrose for a long time, I said. As the weeks went by, I grew worried. And then in July, a letter came, a very strange letter. I showed it to Nick Kendall. He agreed that I should go to Florence at once. As I was leaving, there was another letter. I have them both in my pocket. Do you want to see them? Not yet. Tell me what you did in Florence. Well, I went to the Villa Sangaletti, and then I asked for Ambrose, and the servants told me he was dead. You had gone away. They showed me the room where Ambrose had died and gave me his hat. It was the only thing you'd left behind. My cousin Rachel sat very still. Go on, she said quietly. Well, I went back to Florence to Signor Rinaldi. He told me about Ambrose's illness. He did not know where you were. I left for England the following day. There was silence. And then my cousin Rachel said, May I see the letters now? She read them over and over again. At last, she handed them back. Then my cousin Rachel looked deep into my eyes. How you must have hated me, Philip, she said. At that moment, I felt that my cousin Rachel knew everything. She knew everything I had been thinking about her all these months. Yes, I, I have hated you, I said slowly. Then why did you ask me here? To accuse you 
of breaking his heart, perhaps. A, a kind of murder. I, I wanted to make you suffer, to watch you suffer. Well, you have your wish, she said. Her face was very white, and her dark eyes were full of tears. I stood up and looked away. I had never seen a woman cry before. Cousin Rachel, go upstairs, I said, but she did not move. I took the letters from her hands and I threw them in the fire. I can't forget. I can't either, I said, but if you will, Maybe we both can. Look, see the letters have burnt away. But we can remember what Ambrose wrote, my cousin Rachel replied. I think it's better if I say nothing more. I cannot explain. Just let me stay until Monday and then I will go away. And then you can either forget me or just go on hating me. At least, at least we were happy today, Philip. But I do not hate you now, I said. I hated someone I had, I had never met. Even before those letters came, I hated Ambrose's wife because, well, I was jealous. Ambrose is the only person I have ever loved, and you took him away from me. I was jealous of you. <sighs> Love can do strange things to people. Oh, I know that, my cousin Rachel answered. Love did strange things to Ambrose, too. He was 43 when we met, and he fell in love. He was like someone who had been asleep all his life. Oh, his love, oh, it was too strong. It was too strong for me and too strong for him. It changed him, Philip. What, what do you mean? I asked. Something in me made Ambrose change, she replied. Sometimes I made him happy. Sometimes I made him sad. Well, and then he became ill. You were right to hate me, Philip. If Ambrose hadn't met me, he would be alive today. She looked at me and smiled sadly. Perhaps I was jealous of you, too, Philip, she said. He was always talking about you. Sometimes I grew very tired of hearing your name. She stopped talking and picked up her sewing. If you wish, we can talk again tomorrow, my cousin Rachel said. And then on Monday, I shall leave. Nick Kendall has invited me to stay in his house. I, I don't want you to go, I said. There are so many things we can do together. As I looked down at her, her eyes seemed to see through me and understand all my thoughts. Light me a candle, she said. I must Go to bed. Then 
She stood above me on the stairs, looking down at me. You don't hate me anymore? She asked. No. Are you still jealous of me? Or is that forgotten too? My cousin Rachel laughed. I was never jealous of you, she said. I was jealous of a spoiled boy whom I'd never even met. Suddenly she bent down and kissed me. Your first kiss, Philip, she said. I hope you like it. I watched her as she walked up the stairs away from me. On Sundays, Ambrose and I had always gone to church, and this Sunday, my cousin Rachel agreed to go with me. Our neighbors were able to see her for the first time, and the church was full. I heard people saying that my cousin Rachel was beautiful. Now this surprised me very much. As usual, the Kendalls and the vicar and his family came to dinner. I had never enjoyed these visits, but to my surprise, the afternoon was a great success. The time passed quickly. How I wished Ambrose had been with us. Everyone enjoyed themselves, except, I think, Louise. She said very little and did not smile once. When our guests left at six o'clock, my cousin Rachel and I went back into the library. Well, Philip, my cousin Rachel asked me, have you enjoyed yourself? Yes, but I don't know why, I answered. Everyone seemed more interesting than usual. Well, when you marry Louise, it will always be like that, my cousin Rachel said with a smile. A man needs a wife when he's entertaining. I stared at her. Mary? Louise? I repeated in surprise. I am not going to marry Louise or anyone. Oh, aren't you? My cousin Rachel replied. Your godfather thinks you are, and Louise does too. She will make you a good wife. When I am gone, you will need a woman here. But you are not going, Cousin Rachel, I told her. What is wrong with this house and with me? Nothing. Tomorrow you must begin visiting, I went on, and then our neighbors will visit you. You will have many things to do here. I don't think I really like that idea, said my cousin Rachel, standing up. It would be better if I gave your neighbors Italian lessons. I am a poor widow, and I shall need money soon. I laughed. Oh, then you must marry or sell your rings. Oh, oh, I knew at once that I had been very rude. It was true that my cousin Rachel had nothing. She could not live without money. I called the dog and went out into the garden. Oh, I felt very stupid, and I stayed away from the house until it was dark. As I was walking, I had an idea. Some money must be given to my cousin Rachel, but I would not tell her that it was my idea. 
When I turned back to the house, I saw that the windows of Rachel's bedroom were open. Why are you walking in the dark, Philip? A soft voice asked. Are you worried about anything? Yes, I answered. I'm afraid you must find me very rude and stupid. Oh, nonsense, Philip. Go to bed. Something fell at my feet. It was a flower. The window was closed quietly. That week, more plants and small trees arrived from Italy. On Thursday morning, I rode over to Pelin, my godfather's house. My cousin Rachel was in the garden with Tamlin. She told me that she and the gardeners would be busy until the afternoon. I wasted no time, and I was in my godfather's study by 10 o'clock. My cousin Rachel must have some money, I said. She's talking about giving Italian lessons. Now that is impossible. Nick Kendall looked pleased. I am glad you want to help Mrs. Ashley, he said. The bank can pay some money to her every quarter. How much do you suggest? When I told him, my godfather looked surprised. Oh, now that may be too much, Philip, he said slowly. Ambrose would have wanted me to be generous, I said. Write me a letter for her and a letter to the bank. Oh, you're as impulsive as Ambrose, Nick Kendall said. But... He wrote the letters. I will take the letter to the bank, I said. But I don't want Cousin Rachel to know that I have arranged this. Will you send a servant to my house with the letter for her? Nick Kendall agreed. As I was leaving, I saw Louise. I can't stop, I said at once. I've come on business. Louise looked at me coldly. And how is Mrs. Ashley? She asked. Well and happy. I answered. She's very busy in the garden today. Hmm. I am surprised that you are not helping her, Louise said. I'm sure Mrs. Ashley can make you do exactly what she wants. Oh, Louise made me feel very angry, and I left the house without another word. I rode to the bank and gave them the letter. I didn't get home until nearly four o'clock. I did not see my cousin Rachel. I rang the bell for Seacombe. He told me that Mrs. Ashley had worked in the garden gardens until three o'clock, and then she'd asked for water for a bath. I decided to take a bath, too, and I asked for an early dinner. Later, I went to my cousin Rachel's sitting room. I was feeling very happy. She was sitting on a stool by the fire. She had washed her hair, and she was drying it. Come and sit down, she said. Why why are you staring at me? Have you never seen a woman brushing her hair before? Wait here while I go and change my dress for dinner. My cousin Rachel was in her bedroom when Seacombe came in with the letter from my godfather. I stood up, feeling awkward. There was no sound from the bedroom as my cousin Rachel read the letter. Then suddenly she came out of the room She looked very angry. You made Mr. Kendall write this letter, she said. Did you think I was asking you for money? I am angry and and ashamed. Ashamed, I repeated. 
I would be ashamed if Mrs. Ambrose Ashley had to give Italian lessons. Why, what would people think of Ambrose? The money is yours. Take it. I was angry now. We stood staring at each other and then my cousin Rachel's eyes filled with tears. She turned and went quickly into her bedroom and shut the door loudly. That night, I had dinner alone. Is that how women behaved? Did they always cry when they were angry? Thank God I had no wife. Poor Ambrose. No wonder he had been unhappy. I knew I would never marry now. After dinner, I read, and, and then I fell asleep in my chair. And when I woke up, it was time to go upstairs to my room. On the table by my bed was a note from my cousin Rachel. Dear Philip, please forgive me for my rudeness. I have written to Mr. Kendall thanking him for his letter, and I thank you too. Rachel. The door to her sitting room was open. I walked straight through and knocked on her bedroom door. The room was in darkness, but I could see my cousin Rachel in bed. I want to thank you for your note and say good night, I said. I'm sorry I made you angry. I did not want you to cry. I cried because of what you said about Ambrose, she said. I will take the money, Philip, but after this week, I must go. But I thought you liked it here, I said. You seem so happy working in the garden. You have a home here. If Ambrose had made another will, this would have been your home. Oh, God, she cried. Why do you think I came? I looked down at her. She looked very young, very alone. I don't know why you came, I said. But I know Ambrose would have wished you to stay perhaps, to plan the gardens. Oh, very well, I'll stay for a time, she said. Well, then you aren't angry with me anymore. I was never angry with you, Philip. Oh, sometimes you were very stupid. Come closer. As I bent down, she took my face between her hands and kissed me. Now go to bed like a good boy and sleep well she said. I moved to the door like a man in a dream. When I was back in my room, I wrote a short note to Nick Kendall. I told him that my cousin Rachel would take the money, and then I walked down to the hall to put my letter in the post bag. In the morning, Seacombe would arrange for the letters to be delivered. There were two letters in the bag, both had been written by my cousin Rachel. One was addressed to my godfather, Nick Kendall. The other was addressed to Signor Rinaldi in Florence. Huh. I stared at it before putting it back in the bag. Why? Why had my cousin Rachel written to Signor Rinaldi what did she have to tell him? 
Now it was October, but the weather was fine, and my cousin Rachel was able to work in the garden. We also had time to visit the tenants on the estate. They all loved my cousin Rachel. When they were ill, she gave them medicines made from herbs. Sometimes in the afternoons, my neighbors came to the house, and sometimes my cousin Rachel went to visit them. I enjoyed listening to her at dinner. My cousin Rachel told me about the people she had seen during the day. She always made me laugh. At the end of the month, the weather changed. Rain fell every day. There was no gardening and no visiting. One morning, my cousin Rachel and I were standing at the library window. Outside, the rain was falling heavily. And then Seacombe reminded us about Ambrose's boxes. They were still in my room and had never been emptied. We began to open the boxes. The first box was open. It was full of Ambrose's clothes. Suddenly, my cousin Rachel was crying. Oh. Then she was in my arms and her head against my chest. Oh, Philip, I'm so sorry, she said, but we both loved him so much. I moved my lips against her hair. Oh, don't worry, Rachel. I said, I'll do this. It was the first time I called her by her name. She stopped crying, and we continued to unpack the boxes. We decided to give Ambrose's clothes to the tenants on the estate. And then we began to look at the books. As I opened a book on gardening, a piece of paper fell out. It looked like part of a letter written by Ambrose. She cannot stop spending money, I read. It's like an illness. If this goes on, my dear Philip, she will spend everything. You must tell Kendall in case. What have you there? My cousin Rachel said suddenly. Oh, that's Ambrose's writing. It's nothing, I said, and threw the piece of paper on the fire. We continued our work in silence. That same morning, some boxes had arrived for my cousin Rachel from London. New dresses, perhaps. I remembered the words in Ambrose's letter. It is like an illness. She will spend everything. After dinner, we went to the library as usual. The most beautiful blue and gold cloth lay over the chairs. Do you like it, Philip? My cousin Rachel asked. It's Italian. It will make beautiful curtains for your room. Well, sure, but isn't it very expensive? I asked. Well, yes, but that isn't important. If you like it, take it as a present from me. I thought unhappily about that letter, but I could say nothing. As we sat by the fire, my cousin Rachel began talking about her life in Italy. She spoke of the time before she had met Ambrose. I was listening with the greatest interest when she suddenly said, What was on that paper you threw in the fire, Philip? Oh, it was from a letter, I said. Ambrose. He was worried about money. I can't remember exactly. The worried look went away from Rachel's eyes. Oh, 
was that all? She said, poor Ambrose. He did not understand life in Italy. He thought I spent too much money. He was very generous until, until he became ill. And then, oh, he changed so much. How did he change? I asked. Well, when I wanted money for the house, he became very angry. In the end, I had to ask Rinaldi for money to pay the servants. When Ambrose found out, he refused to have Rinaldi in the house. It was a terrible time. I did not want to tell you about it, Philip. Ambrose was so ill. He trusted no one. You wouldn't have known him. Well, that's all over now, I said. Don't make yourself unhappy. You cannot bring Ambrose back. And this is your home now. My cousin Rachel looked into my eyes. You are so like him, she said. Sometimes I am afraid. You must not change, too. I took her hands in mine. I will never change, I said. And we must remember Ambrose as he used to be. This house belongs to all three of us now. Oh, you are very good to me, Philip, my cousin Rachel said. As she moved to the door, I hope that one day you will be as happy as I was with Ambrose at the beginning. She went to bed, and I sat alone by the library fire. My terrible jealousy had returned. Ah, but now I was jealous of Ambrose. I was jealous because of the love that my cousin Rachel had given him. In the past, I had always disliked the winter. But with my cousin Rachel in the house, things were very different. When I was with my cousin Rachel, I was happy. When she was away from the house, I was bored. Life was dull and uninteresting until she returned. And like everyone else, I now thought that my cousin Rachel was beautiful. Whenever she came into a room, she made it happier, and she made it a more interesting place. In the evenings, we sat together in her small sitting room. We drank Ticina, as she and Ambrose had done in Florence. The evenings were the best times. But when I went to my room, I could not sleep. Any day, perhaps, my cousin Rachel would decide to go to London. And if she left me, I would feel terribly alone. When Ambrose had been at home, he'd always given dinner to the tenants on Christmas Eve. And this year, I decided to do the same. My cousin Rachel was very pleased. At once, she began to make preparations. Packages arrived from London, presents perhaps. She began to plan the Christmas meal. One thing worried me. What could I give my cousin Rachel for a present? Hmm. 
and thought about it for a long time. And at last, I had an idea. I remembered the jewels that belonged to my family. They were kept in the bank for safety. In three months' time, on my birthday, they would be mine. But I did not want to wait that long, and I remembered that Nick Kendall had gone to London. I went to the bank that day and asked the manager to show me the Ashley jewels. They were very beautiful, blue, green, and red. But my cousin Rachel always wore black. She could not wear colored jewels with mourning clothes. And then I saw the collar of pearls. How beautiful the white pearls would look on my cousin Rachel's neck. Your mother was the last woman to wear this collar, the manager said. All the brides of the Ashley family wear it on their wedding day. I put out my hand and took the collar. I will take this with me, I said. The manager looked worried. Well, the pearls are not yours until the 1st of April, he said. I don't think Mr. Kendall would like you to take them away. I'll speak to Mr. Kendall, I said. I put the collar in its box and stood up. I knew the pearls were the right present for my cousin Rachel, and I felt very excited. Then at last, it was Christmas Eve. Seacum had brought a tree into the house and had decorated it as usual. Dinner was to start at five. After dinner, everybody would have a present. This year, my cousin Rachel was going to give out the presents with me. Before I dressed for dinner, I sent the collar of pearls to her room, and with it was a note. My mother was the last woman to wear this. Now it belongs to you. I want you to wear it tonight and always. Philip. When I was ready, I went downstairs and waited for my cousin Rachel. She came in, slowly. Her dress was black, but it was one I had not seen before. The collar of pearls was around her neck. I had never seen her look so happy or so beautiful. She put her arms around me, and then she kissed me. She kissed me not as a cousin, but as a lover. This is what Ambrose died for, I thought. And for this, I would happily die too. She gave me her hand and we walked in to dinner. At first, I thought this was going to be the happiest evening of my life. I remember the food, the noise, and the excitement. My cousin Rachel had bought everyone a small present, carefully chosen. Mine was a gold chain for my keys with our initials, P-A-R-A, hanging from it. Our plates and glasses were filled, emptied, and filled again. And then we gave everyone a present from the tree. When dinner was over, I spoke to my godfather, Nick Kendall, for the first time that evening. Good evening, sir, and happy Christmas, I said. Nick Kendall looked angry, and he said nothing. He was staring at the collar of pearls around my cousin's neck.
Well, then, at last, the tenants had all left. Louise and my cousin Rachel went upstairs, and I found myself alone with my godfather. I have some bad news from the bank, he said. The manager tells me that Mrs. Ashley is already several hundred pounds overdrawn. I don't understand it. She must be sending money back to Italy. Well, she is very generous, I said, and there were debts in Florence, I think. You must give Mrs. Ashley more money. Nick Kendall looked unhappy. And there is something else, Philip, he said. You should not have taken that collar of pearls. It is not yours. Well, it will be mine in three months' time, I said quickly. My cousin Rachel will take good care of it. Hmm, I am not so sure, Nick Kendall said. I have been hearing stories about Mrs. Ashley and her first husband. They were both well known for their bad lives. They spent money carelessly. Oh, that can't be true, I cried. True or not, my godfather replied. I'm afraid that collar must go back to the bank. But I gave it to my cousin Rachel as a present. She has a right to wear it. Only if Ambrose had lived, Nick Kendall said. That collar of pearls is worn by the Ashley Brides, no one else. If you do not ask Mrs. Ashley to give it back, I will. Then suddenly my cousin Rachel and Louise were right there in the room. You are quite right, Mr. Kendall, my cousin Rachel said. I was very proud to wear the collar, and now I shall give it back. And she took off the collar and gave it to my godfather. Thank you, Mrs. Ashley, he said. And now Louise and I must go. We wish you both a happy Christmas. When they had gone, my cousin Rachel held out her arms. I went up to her. I am so sorry, I said. Everything has gone wrong. My mother wore those pearls on her wedding day. That is why I wanted you to have them. Don't you understand? Of course I do, Philip, dear, she said. If Ambrose and I had been married here, he would have given them to me on my wedding day. I said nothing. My cousin Rachel had not understood. I was thinking of another wedding day. A wedding day in the future. And so for now, good night.